Watch out for those weirdos. <laughs> we are the weirdos, mister. Welcome to another episode of the Windsor Film Club, the underground club of movie podcasts focusing on the underseen, underappreciated, and downright weird films. My name is Madison Fairchild, and I'm here hosting with Steph Koza. Hello. We're super excited to introduce today's guest, Cinemonica. Monica is a filmmaker and a YouTuber who shares her movie recommendations and reviews. How are you doing, Monica? I'm great. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. We're so excited to have you. Yes, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited too. I think this is my first podcast. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's so fun. I'm so happy. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. I love it. Welcome to the club. You show up on my TikTok a lot, so it's cool to have you on here. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So to start out, we usually warm up with talking about what we've been watching. So have you watched any shows or movies recently that you want to talk about? Yeah, sure. I watched The Northman recently Ooh. in theaters. Have you guys watched it? I still haven't seen it. I'm a bad fan. I keep meaning <laughs> to and I keep having to push it off. So I'm really excited to see it, though. It's very gory. Oh, really? I'm excited. <laughs> very, like bloody and like violent and arr, manly. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> it's like Vikings screaming and fighting. It was fun, though. It was like all about revenge. Yeah, I've been putting it off because I don't know. Every time I think about going to see it, I'm like, I am not really in the mood for this. Yeah, you have to be in the mood. Yeah, yeah. I do that a lot. I do that with like violent, heavy movies, which I love those kind of movies, but I have to be in the right mood for it or I will not have fun. <laughs> right. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> have you been watching anything else, Monica? I watch these Hulu shows, The Girl from Plainville. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's the true crime one, right? Yeah, and also The Dropout. Both real life stories. They were both okay, I would say. <laughs> they just like stretch it out a lot. It's like eight episodes, one hour long each. And I'm just like, they should have just made a movie or <laughs> limit to like four episodes because they just like stretch out the plot so much. Yeah. They were interesting though, but it <laughs> could have been shorter. <laughs> I need to watch those. Steph, what have you been watching? I've been on kind of a gay teen rom-com kick this week. So Heartstopper. Oh, Heartstopper. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I binge watched Heartstopper yesterday, the whole thing. I loved it. It really filled a void that I was missing in my heart. And then I watched Crush on Hulu. Oh, is that good? I, <laughs> it was fine. The writing wasn't very good. It was pretty cheesy, which like yeah. I knew it was going to be cheesy, but it was almost painful at times. I mean, it was fine. Like it had that cheesy rom-com satisfying feeling to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't go into it expecting anything amazing. <laughs> It wasn't like the best movie ever. It was fine. Entertaining for an hour and a half. But Heartstopper was definitely better. I binge watched Heartstopper too in just like one night. So good. Yeah, I just like threw it on and I was like, yeah, I'll just watch an episode or two. And then I literally watched the entire thing in one sitting and I was like, oh. Same. <laughs> just couldn't stop. <laughs> yeah. So you know how on our last episode we talked about sequels? I watched Ring 2 for that one. The next day I watched Ring 3, and then the day after that I watched the first one. <laughs> or I watched Rings, sorry, the title is Rings. And then I watched the first one. My boyfriend had never seen it because he hates horror movies, so I made him watch it. And then I watched Solo, A Star Wars Story last night, of course, because, you know, Star Wars. And that's about it. I've been really bad about going to movies recently, so I'm failing at that for sure. <laughs> I feel like I had... 
hardly watched anything this week. I did go see Doctor Strange again. Ooh, yeah. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. I was in New York for the weekend and I went to the Alamo and I saw it there. I forgot how much I missed that place. (laughs) Oh, I love the Alamo so much. It's literally my favorite place in the world. It's ruined movie theaters for me, honestly. Like now I live in Pittsburgh and so I go to like the AMC and Cinemark and I'm like, man, (laughs) this is just not the same. (laughs) Yeah. As I've talked about before, I worked at an Alamo and so I was going to movies there a lot at the time. But now I just go to whatever theater is closest to me, which is Regal or AMC. And it's so disappointing. I know. (laughs) So sad. Anyway. Steph, do you want to tell us what the movie of the week is? I would love to. So today we are talking about Tokyo Godfathers, released in 2003. This film was written and directed by Satoshi Kon. It is starring, and please forgive me if I mispronounce anyone's name, Toru Emori, Yokashi Umagaki, and Aya Okamoto. On Christmas Eve, three homeless people living in the streets of Tokyo discover a newborn baby among the trash and set out to find its parents. It was released by Madhouse on a budget of 2.4 million US dollars and it grossed $453,000 in the worldwide box office. It still sits at a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes where critics say that it is a film which shows the limitless potential of animation. Tokyo Godfathers is an alternative Christmas classic that's full of its unexpected twists, turns, and miracles. A festive bonanza which will put plenty of smiles on many faces. So Monica, why did you pick this movie? Well, I wanted to pick something that was anime. Steph knows I love anime movies. (laughs) And I figured Studio Ghibli is pretty known. Almost all of Studio Ghibli movies. So I wanted to, I guess, talk about a great anime director, which is Satoshi Kon. And I thought Tokyo Godfathers was probably his most underrated movie, even though it's pretty great. It says 91% of Rotten Tomatoes. I guess it's not underrated. I feel like it's underseen for sure, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like out of all his movies, that one's probably the most low-key one because it's not very surreal or dreamlike and like full of strange things like in his other movies. This one's more like realistic. It's really fun. Oh my gosh, yeah. It was so good. I loved it so much. Same. It's such a feel-good movie because the characters are just so full of life. Each character has so much depth and... They just feel like whole, whole person, you know, each character. And I love their backstories, their humor, just everything. They really fleshed out the characters that I feel like, in a way, we don't really see in 90-minute movies too much anymore. Like, they got so much information and so much plot in such a small amount of time, and I loved that. It was so good. Steph, what did you like about the movie? exactly what you're saying. Like, I felt like I was so in love with all of these characters within like the first five minutes of the movie. And I was like, wow, okay, this is cool. I'm into this. It also totally like, I really didn't know what to expect going into this. I was like, oh, this is the guy that made Perfect Blue. This is going to be traumatizing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then it was just like this lovely Christmas movie. I mean, it has some dark moments for sure. But overall, it was so like, fun and funny and wholesome, beautiful. Oh my God, the animation style is just oh yeah, so incredible to look at. But just like even on a technical level, this movie is incredible. But I mean, I literally just finished watching it like 20 minutes ago and I'm just like, wow, <laughs> that was such a good movie. I want to like go watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I feel like this is going to be a Christmas tradition for me now. It was just such a good Christmas movie. And I feel that even the darker parts of the movie were balanced out with humor really well. When something bad would happen, something funny would happen at the same time. It kept it really lighthearted, even though it was dealing with a lot of really heavy topics like homelessness and LGBTQ issues and child abandonment and alcoholism, but it kept it fun. I love a found family movie. Anything found family is going to be mine. So I felt that they all had such a tight connection to each other and so much love for the baby that it was just so wholesome. I don't know. How do you guys feel about found family stories like that? I love them so much. What I found interesting with this one is that the characters kept saying how they wanted to reunite the baby with her parents because there's nothing like your real parents or something like that. They kept saying there's nothing like your real family. But then I was like, that's not true because you guys have each other and right. more family than whatever your real family is. And I guess by the end of it or throughout the movie, they kind of realized that. But I don't know. I love their love-hate relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They all clearly are so close to each other that they just insult each other at all times. But you can tell that it's like with love. For sure. And you see the baby connects the three of them on such a deeper level than they already had. Like they get to know the truth about each other. Oh my gosh, I thought that was beautiful. I'm forgetting all of the character names, so I'm so sorry. But the teenage girl, her whole plot line of her family wanting her home and her missing them, but feeling like she could never go back was so oh hard to watch. It was so sad. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was just ripping my heart out the entire time. I absolutely loved it. Who was your favorite character? Oh my gosh. I loved Hannah. Same, me too. Hannah's the trans woman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was my favorite character too. Yeah. <laughs> she was so wonderful. She's the best. Oh my gosh. I loved her and her mother, like the woman that took care of her. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love her character. She's like so motherly, but also so funny, but also like, I don't know, like I said before, they just feel like full characters, like full people. They have so much depth. Like you could see how much finding this baby meant to her. Like she kept saying that it was a Christmas miracle and that this baby was God's favorite child because, you know, it brought her to them. You could really tell that what she really craves is like love or because she says like, I want to be a mother. And now with this Christmas miracle, she, I guess, achieved it. Although it was for a short amount of time, but. You could really tell all of her wants, all of her needs, all of her backstory with the club that she worked at. Everything about her character, I just loved so much. I was shocked at how well they were able to portray trans experience and issues in 2003 because it was an old movie. And so when her character first came up and I realized that she was LGBTQ, I was really worried because I knew this movie came out in 2003. And then... Her character was so beautifully portrayed and it showed her struggles and her wants and her needs. And sure, it wasn't perfect, but I felt like it was so complex. And like we said earlier, real to the experiences that obviously I'm not trans, but from hearing from friends, just what their experiences have been like, I just felt like it was a really beautiful way that it was done. I thought it was so good. 
And she was like a mom to the teenage girl, but I don't think she fully realized that yet. And I just think it's so good. I don't know. I loved it. Yeah, I loved everything about the portrayal of her character. It was so interesting. And you're right. Like she was such a full person. They all were really, but she was so funny and so full of love at the same time. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But like, I remember at one point, I can't remember what they were talking about. She's like, I'm just a queer who cares. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. They really just kind of handled it so well for the time that it came out. And I like that none of the plot really focused on that too much. Like it wasn't like beating you over the head with it, which a lot of things did at that time. It still kind of showed the struggles of what it was like for her and for people like her. Like when she wakes up in the hospital and she's like, oh, I'm in the men's wing. Like that's annoying. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Little things like that where it's just like these tiny details that really say a lot. But yeah, I loved her. I loved everyone. (laughs) One thing that I really liked about this movie and also something I found really interesting is that it has that like stereotypical Christmas movie trope of, oh, it's a Christmas miracle. Yeah. The entire (laughs) plot is just like all of these ridiculously circumstantial coincidences that just keep happening. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is an angel sent from God. And everything about the story is like, oh, it's a Christmas miracle. And it sounds so like cheesy, but nothing about it is cheesy. It's just so interesting to me that it takes that very stupid trope (laughs) and makes it not stupid. (laughs) Because normally I hate movies like that, that do that. I'm like, oh, this is so lame. Like, this is so predictable, but it wasn't. It was so wonderfully well done. And I just think that's so funny. I'm about to make the stupidest comparison, but in Deadpool 2 or in (laughs) Marvel Comics, whatever you guys indulge yourselves on, Domino, the character who's just lucky and always is lucky in a dangerous situation. While I was watching the movie, my first thought was that baby is Domino because every (laughs) single life or death situation that baby got out of They were found by them. The baby formula was found on the tombstone when they almost fell at the end. Just kept getting out of situations. That baby was Domino. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. The ending. I've never been so stressed out in like a 30 second period (laughs) in my whole life. I thought they were done for. I thought it was going to be a tragic ending. Yeah. I know because I was like, this movie is so, like, I didn't really know where it was going. I was like, this is... Sort of predictable, but at the same time, they keep taking it to these dark places that I did not expect. So I was like, it could end very badly. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. Especially knowing like Satoshi Khan, he makes such like dark things that you could definitely expect one of them at least to fall off the building. But that's why I really like this one because you wouldn't expect it from him. But it's such like a feel good Christmas movie that even though it does deal with all of these dark themes, it still ends on a high note and leaves you with a smile on your face. Folks, do you love movies? Do you spend your days thinking about how much you love to watch them? The good ones, even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies so much that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life 
to bring you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From bumper stickers that tell the world about your love for the 1999 classic The Mummy to stylish hats that celebrate the fine works of Nora Ephron. They even have super soft t-shirts based off the internet's favorite collective husband, Oscar Isaac. Super Yaki brings you tangible love letters to the movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And for our listeners, you can enter the code SUPERWINDSOR in all caps to receive 10% off your entire order. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's Let's watch watch more more movies. movies. For those of you that haven't seen it, the three homeless people, their whole goal is getting this baby back to her family. And at the end, when she's reunited with her parents, the parents want the three people to be her godfathers, which is so sweet. Oh my God. (laughs) I just love that so much. I thought that was such a beautiful ending. Obviously, that's how the movie got its name, but I just thought it was so wholesome and It deals with kidnapping and lost pregnancy and a lot of really, really heavy topics, mental health issues with the mom or the woman who is trying to kidnap the baby and a lot of things. But it's done in a really, I think, respectful way. It's just beautiful. I love anime and I cannot believe I've never heard of this movie before. Have you guys seen other Satoshi Khan films? I've only seen Perfect Blue. Same here. I was about to choose Perfect Blue. But I'm glad I didn't because now you guys saw this one. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think this one's more underrated than Perfect because I've never even heard of it. It's a good movie, so it has a high score on like Rotten Tomatoes, but it's super underground and underrated because, I mean, Steph loves anime too, and neither of us had seen it. So definitely a good pick. What do you guys feel like is going to stick with you in the next week or two thinking back on this movie? Because it's really fresh in all of our heads after we just saw it, but. What are the parts that are going to stick with you the most? Well, I'm going to start introducing myself as a queer who cares. <laughs> everyone I meet. <laughs> no, but there is one like scene in particular that's really stuck in my mind. I mean, granted, I literally just watched it 20 minutes ago. So <laughs> the whole movie is very fresh in my mind. But the one scene at the end when they are all falling and when Hannah is like floating, everything goes silent and she's holding the baby. The wind is like carrying her off the building. I don't know what was going on. Yeah. But it's like <laughs> so unbelievably beautiful. Like I literally stopped breathing to watch this moment. Like she's falling and she looks at the sun in the distance between the buildings. And it was just so beautiful and breathtaking, especially in this moment of like extreme stress and panic. And then suddenly it's just this beautiful like Christmas miracle moment. I felt like I was watching like a live action work of cinema for a second because that's how beautiful this animation was. I was just like, wow. Yeah, love it. For me, I really love the scene when Jin is at the hospital. Well, they're all at the hospital and then he realizes that his daughter is the nurse. My gosh. Yeah. And then that's when you find out that, I guess that's when the others find out that everything he told them was a lie. Like, why he really lost his family and like how his daughter is still alive, his wife's still alive. He just like was gambling and all that stuff. Apart from it being like really touching, I really like how the daughter was very open-minded and she even like gave him her phone number and everything. I love Hannah's reaction. 
to that (laughs) because you could see them to the side and it seemed like she was crying over it. And then you just realize that she's actually like so angry that he lied to her. I love that whole sequence. It was so funny, but also touching. Yeah, I feel like that really said a lot about like their friendship and their relationship. Oh, for sure. I love how flawed every character is. They did such a good job at that. Yeah. I think what will stick with me the most is how generous all of these extremely impoverished people were. They were giving each other money, feeding each other, giving each other water. When, what's the teenage girl's name? I'm so sorry. Miyuki. When Miyuki is kind of kidnapped, but then goes and stays with Kyoko with the Latino family. And they're oh, yeah, eating yeah. them and keeping them warm. They have a huge language barrier. They don't know what each other is saying, but they're finding this like common ground. Oh, my dad is the police officer. Oh, my dad. Like, you know what I mean? And I just felt like that was so beautiful how all of these people are desolate and so poor. And yet they all, instead of being selfish, they band together to make sure everyone is safe. And I just love that. I thought that was so beautiful and not shown enough in media. I feel like we see a lot of, in movies, homeless people are portrayed in a really horrible manner. And that's just not the case. Like there are so many of them that are taking care of each other and that love each other. And I just think, I thought it was really good. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that too. Also, it literally just hit me while we were talking that that Yakuza wedding scene was totally the godfather because they're like asking for a favor at his daughter's wedding and he's the head of the Yakuza. (laughs) Oh my God. The godfather. It just hit me right now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I did not even realize that. (laughs) That's genius. God, what a good movie. I'm so glad that you brought this to us, Monica, because I feel like I probably would have never seen this. Otherwise, no, seriously. Yeah, I'm so glad too. When did you see it for the first time, Monica? It wasn't this Christmas, but the Christmas before. So in Christmas 2020. Oh, nice. It was the only one I hadn't seen from Satoshi Khan. So I was like, let's give it a go. Let's see. And I was very surprised. I loved it. You're a big fan of his then. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love his movies. What are like your top three favorite Satoshi Khan movies? I would say Perfect Blue is my favorite. It was the first one I saw. The first time I watched it was in a theater. I was shook. (laughs) I could not stop thinking. I was thinking about this movie for like a whole week. It was incredible. And then I watched Paprika and Millennium Actress and this one. I guess he only has four movies. Yeah, he only has four or five. Yeah, sadly, he passed away really young. But I would say Perfect Blue is my favorite. And then probably Tokyo Godfather's. That's awesome. Yeah, I need to watch his other movies. I've had Paprika on my list forever, and I just never have gotten to it for some reason, but I'm going to. <laughs> Especially now, after watching this, I'm like, oh my God, I need to watch <laughs> everything. I didn't know he made so few. That's so sad. Yeah, it's incredible. Even though he made so few, like how influential they have been to even Western movies, because I'm sure you guys know Perfect Blue inspired Black Swan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Paprika, Inception is basically based on Paprika or like it's very, very similar. I didn't know that. Yeah. They're super similar. If you watch it, there's scenes that are like copied. It's the same. (laughs) Yeah. 
he basically created film bros like in a lab. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at his IMDb right now to see like what all he's done. And yeah, it's so little. It's so sad. Do you know how he died? Sorry, that's like a dark question. <laughs> I think he had a disease, like he was sick. Oh. Don't remember with what exactly. That's so sad. Oh, it was cancer. Oh my gosh. Sorry to like totally shift the conversation. It didn't feel, how do I want to say this? Movies that are just set in Japan are beautiful and awesome. And this isn't like saying anything about that, but it felt very cross-continental. It felt like it could be the US. It could be set in Canada. It could be in Europe. Like it didn't feel like it was just in Tokyo. It felt like it could be anywhere in the world, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that totally makes yeah. sense. I feel like the story so universal, not cross-continental, universal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> you're right, I think. It did have like a different tone and like it just felt a little bit different than most other anime films that I've seen. Yeah. It was showing this other side of like being in an urban place, mm-hmm. I guess. They were living on the streets, so you didn't really see any of that like beautiful lifestyle. Like any Studio Ghibli movie, you're looking at like a beautiful cottage with like really delicious food or like this really fancy swanky apartment. And this was more like we're in the streets. Yeah. (laughs) Running around the city and it's dirty and it's gross. And it was so interesting to see that. But yeah, you're right. It didn't feel like it was really one specific area. It was just kind of anywhere. It's also kind of crazy that all three of them were homeless but none of them had to be in that situation. Miyuki or whatever her name is could have gone home to her parents. Hana could have gone back to the club and he did not have to leave his wife and child. He chose to. It's kind of crazy that they were all together and they're by choice, but all of them had a way out of the situation. They just refused to see it because they couldn't forgive themselves. She couldn't forgive herself for stabbing her dad. Hana couldn't forgive herself for going off and embarrassing herself in front of a customer. And he couldn't forgive himself for gambling and betting all his family's money away. And I think that's kind of crazy that shame kept them in such a bad situation and pride and not being able to accept forgiveness. I think that's kind of crazy, but very true. And yeah, like, you're right. I don't know. I was just thinking about that. Sorry. No, you're right. It's interesting because I feel like there's also such a stigma around homelessness and homeless people. And it's always like, oh, they just need to get a job or they're mentally ill or whatever. And it's like, no, it's actually pretty easy to become homeless. No, for sure. For sure. It shows how people can fall into that and how they are still good people and still like these people should not be homeless. Like they absolutely don't deserve to be living this way Mm -mm. yeah but they think that they do deserve it that's exactly it the cheesy you accept the love you think you deserve or whatever yeah they think that they don't deserve any better but they do and they can't accept that and that's so sad Uh, it's crazy how heavy this movie is when it's such a like fun wholesome yeah (laughs) experience like I feel like if I were to describe the plot of this movie to someone it would sound horrible like it would sound so upsetting (laughs) yeah but it was so fun (laughs) it wasn't I think that's what I like the most about it it deals with all these heavy themes but it's so fun to watch like we were saying before you have to be in the mood to watch this really like heavy movie 
But with this one, I feel like you don't really need to prepare yourself, you know, mentally to watch it because it's just so fun. Yeah. Yeah. This was such a good choice, Monica. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm glad you guys liked it. So Steph, what are some fun facts about the movie? Well, I have plenty of fun facts for you. (laughs) Some fun facts about Tokyo Godfathers. This movie is an extremely loose remake of Three Godfathers, an American West story produced several times since 1916. The number 12-25, aka the date of Christmas, appears throughout the film. It's the number on the key ring, the cab fare, which is 12,250 yen, a stopped alarm clock, the address in the newspaper ad, the cab license plate. So that's really cool if you like look for it throughout the movie. It's all over the place. And towards the beginning of the movie, they pass by a convenience store. And in the background, you can see the theatrical posters for Perfect Blue, Satoshi Khan's other movie from 1997, as well as his other film, Millennium Actress from 2001, and for Tokyo Godfathers itself. You can see the posters for all three of those movies that he also directed, which is really cool. I did not realize that. I need to watch it again and see. Yeah, I did not see those at all when I was looking. <laughs> I also really liked that the opening credits were on the posters and billboards. I thought that was super cool. Yeah, I did like the opening credits a lot. I was like, ooh, okay, this is fun. <laughs> well, do you guys have any final takeaways from the movie that you want to talk about? Or did we cover everything? First of all, I really want to go watch it again because I also didn't see any of those. <laughs> I love when a movie has Easter eggs like that. I think that's so cool. First of all, I love that we watched a Christmas movie in May. I think that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It was truly something I needed in my life. (laughs) And I'm also going to be adding this to my Christmas traditions. Like, I'm absolutely going to watch this again on Christmas. It was so fun. I really want to show this to more people because I was trying to think of why this movie is so underseen. Like, what about it turned people off or what about it makes people not aware of it? Because everyone knows Perfect Blue. I feel like Paprika is also pretty well known. This film is so surprisingly accessible. It's so easy to follow. It's fun. It's lighthearted for the most part. It's touching. It's very emotionally resonant, but it's not like complicated. It's deep without being complicated, if that makes sense. Everyone knows Perfect Blue, which is like very complex and not very accessible. So it's interesting that this one that anyone could watch and understand and relate to has gone under the radar. I still I haven't figured it out. I don't know why, but I want to show it to more people because I think more people need to see it. It's really good. Yeah. I think when you have such great films under like your name, it's funny how this movie, it's such a great movie, is like considered under scene just because his other movies are so good too. But it just shows you how great of a storyteller and filmmaker he was, I guess. I'm glad I showed it to you guys. And I'm glad that you want to show it to more people too. I always try to talk about his movies on my YouTube channel. And now that I rewatched this one, I'm like, wow, I really want to make a video about it or something. Like I want to talk about it more. Yeah, for sure. I would love to watch a video about it. So you should make one. (laughs) (laughs) Especially because he only has four movies. Yeah. So interesting. It's hard sometimes when you like find a director that you really like and then you're like, oh shit, 
they made like 20 movies. I have to go watch them all and it's going to like take up so much time. And this is like, oh, I can just watch all four of these in a day. Like they're not very long and I'm definitely going to like them. The others aren't as lighthearted though. So you should take like a day or two to clear your head and watch them. That's fair. (laughs) It's kind of crazy that with so few movies, he was number one, able to make such an impact. And number two, it seemed like he had such a hold on his craft, but he only had a couple movies of experience. So that's kind of crazy. I love it. Yeah, that's true. His first movie was Perfect Blue. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. That's insane. Your first movie and you're just like, yeah, I don't know. Here's my debut film and it's Perfect Blue. Wow. What a legend. What a king. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of your videos on this, Monica, where can everyone find you? You can find me on YouTube as Cinemonica with a K. The same on Instagram, the same on TikTok. That's pretty much it. (laughs) What about you, Steph? You can find me at Steph Koza on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. And you can find my YouTube channel, Steph Koza vs. The Movies. We have some YouTubers in the house tonight. This is so fun. (laughs) I am not one of them, though. You can find me at Maddie underscore Amidala on Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, anywhere, Letterboxd, doesn't matter. And I have another podcast called The Night Sisters Podcast, where I talk about the impact that women have had on the Star Wars fandom. So you can find that anywhere you watch podcasts or on Twitter and Instagram. You can find our podcast, Windsor Film Club, at Windsor Film Club Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And I mean, you're listening to it already, so you know how to find the podcast at least. So that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. And we can't wait for next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us, Monica. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye.